Testing, testing, one, two. Hello, hello. You're rocking with the best, the Holy Records podcast, episode number 94. Thanks so much for being with us on this special Saturday afternoon, if you're watching this in the afternoon, Eastern time. And I got special guests with me today, Jill and Dr. Jesus Barard is going to be with us. We're talking SOS Cuba, the situation that is happening in Cuba right now and um, why we should know about it as Catholics. What's the real, what do we get from our perspective? What can we do now, here and now? But the one thing we can do, if you haven't already done so, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for the situation uh, because the, what the situation in Cuba, as you're going to find out, and if you haven't already, just hashtag SOS Cuba or hashtag uh, Cuba Libre, and you'll start seeing uh, some of the stuff that's coming out because it's a pretty dire situation and we're going to shed light on that. And so thanks so much for rocking with us and being with us. Let me know right now in the comments uh, where you're coming from. Say hello. Uh, we're going to have these guests on and this is going to be on YouTube and Facebook as well as all our audio platforms on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify for sure. But again, thanks so much for rocking with us. Uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, here we go. Here's that intro. We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. Why were you made? I was made to be happy. The way to be happy is to know truth and to love goodness. In other words, I am made for God. Pero quiero Leon la Dioses. Quiero que se salga afuera. You are now listening to the Holy Ruckus Podcast. All right, all right. Hello, hello. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Holy Ruckus Podcast. We got Jill and Dr. Jesus Manuel Barard. Say that three times fast. What's going <laughs> on, guys? I can't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. How's everybody doing? Doing great. It's good. Yeah, doing awesome, good. Awesome. Let's go around. Let's let's start with the lady. Uh, Jill, introduce yourself. Where you're calling from? I know it's a little different time, but go for it. Yeah. So I'm Jill Miller. Um, I live in Hamilton, New Zealand. So on the other side of the world, kind of ish. It is currently uh, what day? Sunday at seven fifteen a.m. <laughs> So uh, I'm a day ahead calling from the future. <laughs> there you go. That's, the, that's the, always the coolest part. Every time I'm like, this is the second time we've had Jill on. And I was like, you guys are always living in the past, bro. Seriously. And we're about to find out just how, how much we're living in the past with this podcast. It's super thematic. I love it. I love it. All right. Go ahead. The doctor. Go for it. And, and not only that, but New Zealand is like in the dead of winter right now, right? Isn't that? Yes. Is, yeah. Wow. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. My daughter was in Chile for a whole year of teaching. So we had to get used to that whole notion. Very strange. It's very weird to have like barbecues at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Go All right, so um, I, I'm a colleague of, of Josh's at St. Vincent Pilate High School. And Josh, uh, a while ago, uh, last term, asked me to speak to his religion classes about uh, religious practice in Cuba. And I think I shocked the heck out of the students with all this <laughs> stuff about uh, Santeria. 
which actually I think kind of ties into what's going on in, 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 in a way. It ties into what's going on in Cuba. That's, that's why I said, you know, when we were talking before the show, that the, the situation in Cuba is like, it's simple, but it's also complicated, you know? Right, right. So, mm. no, and, 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 that, and, and yes, it was shocking and dramatic, you know, Dr. Manny, but you know what? It, 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 it struck such a chord that I was like, I got to have him back again. <laughs> how crazy. I would have brought I would have brought a chicken and done a, a sacrifice in front of you, you know. Exactly. If it's anything that we Cubans know how to do is make an entrance, okay? <laughs> there you go. So, I'm so excited. So, um, yes. Yeah, so again, thanks so much for being here and and dedicating your time to this 45 minutes to an hour that we have. But I wanted to and and again, what's and I know I have no skin in the game. I'm I'm a fellow human, right? And that's it. I'm and I'm Catholic. What's your skin in the game in, in regards to like why Cuba? Why are we talking about this? Why 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 is this something that struck a chord with with you, Jill and Dr. Manny? Uh, for me, I am actually first generation American. Both sets of grandparents of mine came from Cuba. Okay. Um, so my mother's grandparents came over um, early when there was unsettled, <clears throat> like an unsettled kind of political thing with Batista, who was before Castro. Um, they lived by the university and things were um, quite um, just not good, very stressed. Um, and so my um, grandmother's brother who was living in Miami said, come to Miami, waited out here and they came and never went back. Um, and then my grandparents on my father's side um, came to Cuba in 1960 um yeah 1960 at the end of 1960 so um after cuba or after castro took over yep. so this is very close obviously to to my family um it's very personal and i think people forget sometimes that um, for us cubans it's not just a, a social study you know this is this is our family this is our people um and so it's very very close to our heart and very sometimes um, very emotional. Um, it takes a lot of emotional investment, uh, and probably the last two weeks now, um, it's been quite an emotional roller coaster. I think of things because you feel all the things. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's me. Do you have any family there now or presently? Sorry if I missed that. Um, extended family, which I think for a lot of um, Cubans, kind of um, that have been whose family have been here for a while, that's probably the case, um, is it's extended family. Um, both, well, my mother's side of the family is very big. My grandfather was one of 18, so big Catholic family. Um, so a lot of extended family there. Um, and a lot of the family that obviously I knew, like some of my, um, some of their siblings and stuff have since passed. Um, so, but yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Go ahead, Dr. Manny. Well, let's see, where do I begin? I was born there and I was born actually a month and a half before Castro took power. So uh, I, um, even though I was rather young, I came to, I came to the United States in 1961. Uh, actually it was 62, I was still three years old though. Um, but I, you know, I grew up hearing all kinds of stories about um, what had happened in Cuba uh, certainly witnessed uh, the gradual exodus of my family. 
my father was the first one to leave. He was a commercial fisherman and his fishing boat was stolen by a political fugitive and taken to Key West. And, um, and so my father had contacts in, in uh, customs because his brother and his father had worked in customs. So using his connections, he actually obtained permission from the Castro government to go get his boat back. And of course, the minute he stepped on American soil, he sold the boat and, uh, and that was the beginning of a, of, of a long journey uh, in, um, in a new homeland for, for our family. He was able to get my mother out about a year later. And then about a year or so after that, uh, my grandmother and myself, and then, um, you know, how Cuban families are that, you know, three generations living together is that's the norm. Right. I mean, I, I think that's, that's true. Josh of all Hispanic families. Right. <laughs> Uh, so then my, my grandfather and my great grandfather from Spain, you know, and and he was a problem because he was a Spanish, you know, he was a Spanish citizen. He was sort of like a Cuban, but he was also a Spanish subject. And uh, and so the laws regarding immigration into the United States regarding Spaniards were different than they were for, for Cuban uh, refugees. And so anyway, so my, my father was able to finagle um a uh, an exit visa for him and my great grandfather didn't want to leave his his new you know his new country land and um and so his, so basically to, to make it to make a long story short the opportunity expired and then other means were fought was were, were found and my grandfather and, gra and great grandfather actually wound up going through several Latin American countries while they were, while my dad was like negotiating to get him in another visa to get into the country. So, you know, so we were all split up for, for a good amount of time. I remember, I do remember uh, a very emotional scene at the airport in Havana as my grandfather was handing me to my grandmother, not knowing if he ever, if he, if he was ever going to see his wife, his wife or his grandchild or his daughter, who was already in the United States again, you know. And this is a, and this was a very typical story of, um, of exilees back then, mm. you know. And I suppose we can say that we we were lucky then because at the time Castro wanted to get rid of us, you know. There was that famous mm. speech that he gave: "Is uh, no los necesitamos. We don't need them, right?" You know, and then he called us gusanos, worms, right? You you know all that, Joe. Uh, and so so we still had the opportunity to get out. It just had to be with the proper channels. After that, the door started closing. You know. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So let's. So even though you just gave us, you know, very very much like a teacher, Mr. Brown, let's 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 hit the stage again one more time. A little bit more of a primer, right? Because I'm that slow. I'm that hard-headed. I need, I need, I need that one more time, that, that Wikipedia summary, right? Just kind of bring it down like first. And, and as to why we're talking about, so you that are listening or you that are watching, right? You're coming into this cold, right? Well, why is this a topic for the Holy Ruckus, right? Well, because we are the body of Christ, right? The Cubans that are that are dealing with this now, like we are Catholic. We are universal. So and anytime we see just like the great, uh, you know, the late great Dr. King said, right? injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere so right. even though it's not you know right here i mean it's in our backyard it's it's we have to care right this needs to be something mm -hmm. and so bringing in folks that have some skin in the game that's important but also to understand that this is a real problem communism and totalitarian governments and regimes are still active in the world today and we need to see that 
for, for what it is from this perspective. And so if I can give a platform to that, that's what we're going to do. So that's what the Holy Records is doing today. So again, thanks so much for listening and watching. And so here we go. But Dr. Barad, here's the, here's that first point. How did uh, we get here? Uh, how did we get to this point? Uh, what's going on in, in, in Cuba right now? Cause I mean, if you were like me, you know what, maybe a year ago, I was like, what? Cuba's still dealing with this? Like, what's going on? I thought y'all were free. I thought he was gone. But the tyranny exists. Uh, what's going on? It does. But, you know, it's not It's not the same that it was under Fidel, I have to say. Mm-hmm. What happened with, with Cuban communism, it actually became Fidelism, you know. Uh, it was the cult of the personality. Fidel became mm-hmm. sort of like the, 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 um, the patriarch of the country. And uh, and so it, it, it uh, so while he was still in power, he had absolute control the way that Stalin had control with the iron fist in um, in Russia. And uh, and so after after, you know, Fidel got old, he passed uh, uh, at least for at least for appearances. He passed control over to his brother Raul for a couple of years right before he died. Fidel was still sort of like the Wizard of Oz. He was the guy that was like operating everything from behind the curtain, you know. Um, but Raul wasn't quite as as hard nosed as Fidel. I mean, these guys are all terrible. Let's not, you know, let's not let's not get that wrong, right? They're they're just awful. But there are different degrees of evil. There are different degrees of of awfulness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Raul um, was just a little a little bit more lenient than Fidel was. I think Fidel was very he was very jealous of his own power, and he had to maintain absolute rule. But anyway, so now we have another guy, right? We have you know Diaz Canel. We have a a new president groomed by Raul. Raul has stepped down. We have this 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 new guy that's running the country. He's not a Castro. He's not he's not a Castro. He's not he's not a Castro in the sense that you know he has that that cult of personality behind him, right? Controlling the mm-hmm. country. I think the Cuban people are are recognizing that. They're recognizing that this is not the same brand of Cuban communism, hardcore uh, Cuban car- communism that they've been used to for the past 60 years, that things are, you know, not quite as strong-armed as, as they were before. That's not to say that they're not strong-armed. I mean, after all, the people that are that are protesting, how many of them supposedly have disappeared, right? You know, mm. hundreds, hundreds have been uh, arrested. You know, you people, I mean, when I was in Cuba a couple of years ago, actually this time, two years ago, I was in Cuba. I had the opportunity to talk with people. And you know, in Cuba, you you're you get 20 years in prison for anything, any infraction. You know, uh, you're at the mercy of the system. You're at the mercy of the of the magistrate. And um, and so you know, and it, and it's it's a it's a known thing that just people disappear. You know, um, never to be seen again. This is not you know, it, 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 it's it's not isolated to Cuba. This happens in other countries as well, right? Um, so anyway, so I don't know. What do you want to know? Why are the people protesting suddenly? Because that, obviously they, they 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 are so they're so fed up. Even though these are people, remember that these are people that actually grew up under the communist system, right? Okay, 
there are no like old school. Well, I suppose there might be some some people. Yeah, there there'll, there'll be old people that are still alive that were you know that were alive before Castro took power, but they never got out of Cuba. They had to accept circumstances for what they were. And then you have the successive couple of generations after them that grew up under the system, were indoctrinated under the system. It, you know, everywhere you go in Cuba, just shut me up when I, when I, when I, you know. When, oh, when I, I will, I will. <laughs> you're good, you're good. Um, everywhere you go in Cuba, there's propaganda. It's on the walls of buildings. It's on the walls of houses, you know. There are signs everywhere, big posters, right? You go to the uh, to the, the the Revolution Plaza, and there are big icons of Che Guevara, right, and and all the heroes of the revolution, and it's everywhere. And the slogans are everywhere, right? So so you know so these are generations that have grown up under the new system, and yet now they they're fed up because life has not improved for them in sixty years. Have the. Uh and then I wanted to, because because this goes into what I wanted to ask Jill, because so now with what we're seeing and how it's kept caught our attention, or at least my attention, um, on social media and stuff. What recently had happened? Was it COVID that really the straw that broke the camel's back for another reign of protest or another sorry onslaught of, of protest? What has just happened that brings us to where we are now in 2021? Obviously, they're always disgruntled and distraught and without hope. But something just happened that may it may have made it even worse or untenable. Yeah, so I think COVID definitely um, expedited the the frustration, right? And um, where people, the Cuban people, are at now. Um, COVID, the fact that people like are going hungry and starving. Um, and what's interesting is um, that, as Manuel was saying is that these are people that have been indoctrinated for the most part their whole life, right? And 60 years of propaganda, right? And But they recognize who's like what is actually to blame there um, and that um, the cause of, it's not just, you know, COVID, it's not just they're going hungry, that this is actually all at the hands of the government. And they're knowing full well the consequences of, um, what could happen to them and probably will, um, and what we see happening to the Cuban people and the voices that are speaking out, um, that they're deciding to speak out against that and to protest in the midst of that. Um, and so I think that when we look at, at what's happening in Cuba, we have to recognize um, the risk and the situation of what um, Cubans are, are going out into the streets and doing. All right. Dr. Manny, how about you for, for 2021? Was it that, that COVID that kind of expedited this as Jill was saying, or was it something else that we're not saying? I think, I think COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can tell you from my experience two years ago there that the people were very, very hopeful under the Obama administration because, because Obama had opened up channels of communication with the Cuban government, all of that. We all know that, you know, that, uh, Diplomatic relations were uh, in better shape. Um, tourism was allowed, right? All those big tourist, um, uh, you know, cruise ships uh, that are docked in Miami were allowed to uh, to, to go to Havana, and uh, and so these tourist dollars were coming in. The government, and this is what I meant with to say about the government, uh, how the government has somewhat relaxed 
uh, in recent years is that the government has allowed people to open up uh, like little, you know, like kitchens, like, you know, like they like little restaurants in their in their living rooms so they can cook for tourists and tourists can come in and have like a home cooked authentic Cuban meal. And they might have like maybe four tables and chairs in their in what was their living room. And then they were able to make a little bit of money doing that. This was not possible earlier on, right? So there, there, were, there, there were these way, cab drivers, for example, were making, um, a, you know, a, a, I don't want to say a decent income, but they were certainly making some money from the, from the tourist trade, right? So there was a great deal of, uh, of, of hopefulness on the part of the people. And then a new administration came in and then, uh, and then when I was there, um, fortunately, we were still allowed to go visit, but the, but the, the cruise ships were gone. The cruise, cruise ships were no longer allowed. Havana's harbor was empty. It was a ghost town. And the people were starting to suffer again economically. All right. So, so, you know, so they depended on, uh, on this tourism. The main thing, however, that Cubans depend on, believe it or not, is something called remittant remittances, right? Which is basically money that their families in the states can send them legally through Western Union, and and you you have no idea how many families have been have been existing, barely existing, but existing, based on a hundred dollars a month that they might be getting from their families in in the United States, and that was cut off, you know. Um, so, um, you know, so these are the things that have really, I think, caused the situation to boil over in Cuba is, uh, is the economic, uh, oppression, <coughs> um, uh, the, the lack of, of, um, assistance by the government. And, uh, and then on top of that, the COVID crisis, which has overwhelmed the, the, the hospitals, the medical system, and the fact that there are no vaccines to be distributed. Mm. Right, right, so right. it's a perfect storm. There's a, re there's, there's a reason, folks, why this has not happened in 60 years, that the people have taken to the streets. If they had done this before under the Castro regime, they would have been shot in the streets, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. And what did you guys think of, and then we can go around it and starting with Joe, what, like with this happening and, and with you guys being uh, so closely related to it and intimately like your hearts are, are, are in the game and, and, and it hurts. What was it like to see kind of the reaction or, or maybe lack of reaction out there, either uh, online, you know, in, in social circles, you know, obviously social media and then in TV and media and stuff like, are they covering it enough? What do you guys think and how interesting was it to see how people tried to co-opt kind of the struggle mm. and use it for their own mission or their own side piece? And we're, mm. we're going to throw out names later, but it, mm. that I thought was so interesting how people could try to, to take something and take someone's pain. And, and we see it in other, in other places politically or, mm. or when things like when, when, uh, when the death of George Floyd happens or, mm -hmm. or when things happen with immigration and right, how people take something that is purely like a struggle and there is depravity there. There is that poverty there. There is that pain there and right. they taken and weaponized it for their own gain. I'm seeing the same thing uh, with, mm -hmm. with 
with what's going on in the coverage of, of, of Cuba. What are you guys seeing? What was the reaction to the reaction uh, for you guys, Jill? I think we've seen a lot of um, people's true colors, to be honest. Um, for me, as um, as somebody who's never been to Cuba, hey, like it's it's quite an interesting um, feeling because because you grow up hearing about it, you grow up, um, and we should also say that Cuba was not a third world country before Castro took over. Cuba was um, very wealthy. Um, the tourism, there was a lot of um, great exports. So is the lead exporter of sugar. Um, it was fourth, um, fourth among Latin American countries in literacy. Um, it was very, it was very, it was flourishing a lot, I should say. Um, and so I think that people like to think that, you know, Castro came in and saved Cuba, right? And made it better and all these things. Um, but they don't really um, know that Cuba was as um, prosperous as it was. Um, so w as a, you know, grand grandchild, child of Cuban immigrants, you grow up hearing about what happens in Cuba. It's not been a surprise for anybody who's Cuban to know what's happening and for any of this to come out. Whereas I feel like with a lot of people in America, that's different. Um, you know, people that thought Cuba was out of this or, you know, that um, it was getting better or just ignorant of things. And so it's it's been quite interesting. It's been quite emotional. I was very surprised at how deeply I felt um, and was moved by the fight of, of my people there. Um, seeing them fighting in the streets was, it gave, um, I think it made me recognize how deeply woven that is within who I am. Um, yeah, and so when you, um, Cuba's trendy now, you know, like it has been trendy. People like going there, they like, you know, um, traveling for art or educational reasons, you know, cause that's why they can go there. Um, they, you know, Cuban culture is is kind of trendy among people. We see, you know, famous people all the time talk about going and visiting Cuba. And and then the silence, right? Like kind of when things hit the fan, there's silence and it's frustrating. Right. You why, know? why is that? Um, why, why, why do you think that was a, a kind of an orchestrated silence of, wait, we, we, we shouldn't talk about it? Like, why, why do you think that is? Um, I think for some, not everybody, I don't want to put everybody into the same basket, uh, but I think for some to speak out against it or against the Cuban regime is to, um, they would have to forfeit and condemn some of their ideologies and say that things don't work and that communism and socialism don't work. Um, you know, it's, it's great on paper it's great in an ideal, like in an ideal world. Um, however, it doesn't work. And I think that um, we've seen that from organizations like Black Lives Matter, right? Um, that those I, those socialist, communist, Marxist ideals are, are held by, by the founders, um, which is no secret, and they've been quite open about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's been deflected to America's problem, right? And then it's been weaponized and that's how it's been weaponized. So we're the bad people, right? We're the reason why Cuba's suffering. 
with a complete ignorance and unwillingness to um, to call out the things that are completely out of the realm of the embargo, right? And I think, yeah, uh, as a as a Cuban American, I'll say the embargo has failed. It has failed to do what it set out to do, right? And I don't think that there's a lot of Cubans that will argue with that. Um, but we can't just say that's the reason. Hey, there you go. Dr. Manny, what'd you think of the reaction of what was going down and uh, people using it or not using it or not covering it? What'd you think? Well, are you talking about among the Cuban population, the, the, no, the Cuban American population? Us at home, us at, us at home, you know? Did, did yeah, we, but the Cuban Americans at home. Right, or no, not even, just people on the outside. On, on the, well, everybody, of course, everybody uses, you know, it, it uses critical situations uh, as a way to, um, you know, to, to put forward their own propaganda, right? Um, you know, but speaking of that, I mean, there, there are basically two Cuban mentalities here, right? You have, I know plenty of like really hardcore Miami Cubans that throughout the entire, you know, history of, uh, of, the, of the Castro uh, regime in Cuba, have maintained a, a scorched earth stance that, you know, that embargo, embargo, uh, the only way to deal with commies, the only good commie is a dead commie. And the only way to deal with communism is to just keep hammering them with the embargo and, and all of this kind of stuff. But the reality is 60 years of embargo has done nothing but punish the Cuban people. And, pe and, and I think the world has to recognize there's also two Cubas, right? You have you have the, the you have the regime, you have the government, you have everyone that's that's associated with the government, but you have, you know, so you have those that are that are running the country, and then you have the rest of the population, you have the common people, right? And so embargo, the embargo has not hurt the people that are running the country. The embargo has always hurt the the it's it's a trickle-down theory that that the, the embargo has always hurt you know the lowest common denominator, the average Cuban. And uh, and this is something that I think they're they're beginning to see. One, one of the best ways to control uh, a, a population is to control information, you know. And uh, and if you keep the Cuban people in the dark, if you if you like, you know, up until recently. You know, the Cuban people couldn't be on, uh, they couldn't go on the internet. They couldn't find out what was happening in the rest of the world. They couldn't find out what was happening in our country, you know. Um, so, and, and there is there's a lot of talk recently about the fact that the Cuban government has been trying to control the internet. They've been cutting internet service and so on and so forth. I think what has, what has happened is that Under the Obama administration, uh, happened to be under the Obama administration when when the when the Cubans got a taste of of American tourism dollars, when they got to mix mingle a little bit with American visitors, they got a, a they got a sense that capitalists are not the great Satan, uh, as as you know as imperfect as capitalism is. Okay, but you know but that capitalism uh, and free trade is something that you know that they've been missing for the past 60 years. Jill was talking about the Cuban economy. The Cuban economy was great before Castro took power. The, um, the, the Cuban peso and the American dollar were literally uh, traded equally. They had, they had equal value. And you can go to any store 
and, and pay either with the Cuban peso or an American dollar. They were worth exactly the same, you know. But there were downsides to that. I don't know if you ever, you know, if you want to get into that in the conversation later. But um, so, um, yeah. So, so you have two different ways of looking at this. You have, you know, Cubans that are, Cuban Americans that are saying that we still have to, like, we have to, now's the time to really put the squeeze on Cuba, that, that it's, you know, that the Cuban people are about to revolt that they can't take it anymore. Let's continue the embargo. Let's 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 even you know squeeze even harder, and and eventually we're going to force the hand of the Cuban people. The problem is, what are the Cuban people going to do if they haven't if they haven't staged the counter revolution since the since the failed attempt at the Bay of Pigs, right? They can't do it on their own. You know, they need help. Cuban people can't they 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 can't revolt. What are they going to fight with? Machetes, right? And shovels? Is that is you know is that what they're going to use against guns and 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 machine guns and all of that? So, so they need help. They need assistance. And it's not the first time in the history of Cuba that um, they that that they've needed this assistance. But anyway, I guess I'm going off in uh, on in a different direction. No, it's all. Always welcome, always welcome. But yeah, like I wanted to bring it up to to Joe because Joe recently, uh, in a moment of great reflection and I'm sure the fruit of a lot of prayer and struggle, uh, you posted something on on your own Instagram that I kind of wanted to harken back to, and it kind of goes in with what uh, Dr. Manny was kind of um, concluding with was what could happen or or what won't happen in regards to like why the rest of the world kind of wants to see Cuba stay communist. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like why, why it needs to be communist and why it's going to be really hard to, to bring this down? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, other countries such as Russia and Iran and um, have vested interests in, in North Korea as well, have vested interests in Cuba. Um, Russia came out at the beginning of all this and said, if America intervenes, then, um, then we'll have to deal with the Russians as well. Uh, so it is, like Manuel said earlier, it's very complicated. It's very complex. It's simple, but it's complicated, right? Like, um, you know, there's a lot, I think, at stake for the Cuban people, obviously, um, but also for us uh, and the free world, for um, for communism in general. And, um, you know, Cuba's always put out there as a poster child for, for communism you know, um, for communism working, you know, the literacy rates are great. There's free healthcare. There's all these things, right? And so it's put out there as this this model of success, um, almost, I think, among communist um, empathizers hmm. and so, and sympathizers. And, um, you know, Cuba's location to America, I think, also gives a bit of um, st strategy there. I, I, and we've seen that in the past, right? We've seen that with the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, 90 miles from from land in America, there, are, mm -hmm. you know, nuclear missiles pointed towards America. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think to not acknowledge those things is would be very naive for us to mm -hmm. not acknowledge those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I think sometimes because it's complicated, we would rather do nothing. You know, um, it's mm -hmm. not. Um, you know, even with remittances of what Manuel was saying earlier, like that all goes to the government and then the mm -hmm. government takes a cut of it and mm -hmm. then 
takes the U.S. dollars for themselves hmm. and then gives the people essentially kind of a worthless currency. Right. You know, like, um, so it's not, um, it's not something that we can just throw our money at. That's something that we in the Western world are very accustomed to doing. You know, there's always a cause that we can donate to. And I'm not saying that's bad, but that's how we kind of rally and, and, and show support. And then it's like, cool, if I've donated to this or, you know, money can fix things. And what we see in Cuba is that that's not always the case. Um, sure, that alleviates some of the um, symptoms of what's going on um, and surely makes um, our families back in on the island, makes life a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, they're still living in a, under the regime of a government that doesn't let them think differently than the government. That, you know, if you play a song or wear certain clothes or do anything that apparently goes against the um, dictatorship, you're thrown in jail, you're blacklisted, mm -hmm. you know, you don't get, um, there's stories of people who, you know, because they spoke out or seemingly did something against the dictatorship, they're blacklisted. They don't get rations from the Cuban government for food. They depend on the, the generosity of the community around them of people that aren't getting a lot to begin with, you know, um, to, to sustain them or, or families that have to go through um, 50 million different channels, you know, send money to Spain, send money to, then they send money to Argentina and then it goes to Cuba, you know, like that, that's mm -hmm. life and the reality of, mm -hmm. um, of the Cuban people and the Cuban Americans that are trying to support their families back home. Right. Mm -hmm. Manuel, any re reaction to that? Um, geez. Well, you know, uh, there's there's no freedom of speech in Cuba. You can't you can't speak freely against the government. Anyone that actually had any criticism of the government that I spoke to, did it in uh, in in secrecy, and only out of frustration. And you can hear the frustration in that person's voice that they actually had they had somebody listening that was sympathetic to what you know to what they were feeling. Mm -hmm. And this is the only reason that they spoke with me because they felt that you know that they could confide in, in me and, you know, and then, you know, my, my family was also with me. Um, you know, thank God for JP too. After he visited Cuba, he, he managed to convince Castro to, uh, to relax a little bit on, on the issue of religious freedom in Cuba. Mm -hmm. You know, the only religious freedom that was actually allowed before that was actually the practice of Santeria. And that was simply for the purposes of, well, I, that's, that, that is a complicated thing. But I think, you know, I touched upon that, Josh, when I spoke to your classes. Go for it a little bit if you want. But, yeah, if, if it's a bigger thing, you know. Yeah. Well, because, you know, because the, 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 population, the population of Cubans that are, that are of African uh, descent is, uh, is so large that uh, and then of course Santeria comes out of the Yoruba religion and the worshiping of their Orishas, which then were uh, uh, equated with with Catholic saints and so on and so. So there's like this this confusion, this conflation. That's another thing that you know that 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 Cubans need to sort of like open their eyes about. Talk, you know, since this is a this is a Catholic show, you know, they really sort of need to see the light that Santeria and Catholicism are not compatible, you know, no matter how hard they try, right? 
Um, but so there, there's all of that stuff that uh, that has been going on. So that was religious freedom was the practice of Santeria because most of the population was into that already and it was a way of appeasing them, right? Catholicism, old Spanish Catholicism was the stuff that was actually uh, uh, banned. Right. Up until recently, because I actually attended a mass in, in Cuba that was done openly and it was done freely. So it's another, it's, it's another, example believe it or not of the of a chink another chink in the armor you know is that over the years there have been sort of like these these little you know things these maybe i don't know if you, you might call them like these little uh uh crumbs that have been thrown to to the people right um but it, but it's but it's not enough because they just don't have they don't have the economic means you know they 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 can't they 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 can't survive. Uh, when I visited someone's home, um, if they actually had a toilet bowl, that was a big thing. And if they had a toilet, you know, most of the time there was like what a, a seat for the toilet? No, no, no. That's an ultra luxury. Nobody has one of those. You know, having a toilet is a luxury. Having running water is a luxury. You know, all these things that we take for granted in our country. Um, are, are, you know, amazing luxuries to the Cuban people. No wonder the government wants to make sure that they really don't open their eyes to what is, what is possible, what, what, what is possible 90 miles from, from their shores, you know, that their, that their American cousins have. Um, anyway. No, and, and you said it, and I'm glad we kind of went there because that's where this latter part is kind of going in, in terms of what can Catholics do, those that are listening, those that are watching, right, short of, of praying and to get educated. So, again, I, I hope we've we've laid out, and I think beautifully, this is my, my top favorite episode in terms of getting people to talk about this because it's just like so important. But also, what does the church say about communism and socialism and why it's incompatible, right? Um, and this is – and this – uh, is what the church says, right? In, in catechism 2425, big nerd on the catechism. Jill knows as we went to school uh, together as well, we had to do a catechism exam and the whole thing, but turn your catechisms to 2425. The church has rejected the totalitarian and atheistic ideologies associated in modern times with communism or socialism. She has likewise refused to accept in the practice of capitalism, individualism, and the absolute primacy of the law of the marketplace over human labor, regulating the economy solely by centralizing planning perverts the basis of social bonds, regulating it solely by the law of the marketplace fails social justice, for there are many human needs which cannot be satisfied by the market, right? Um, and, it, and it should be condemned. It doesn't allow for the common good. No one is truly free. We are not meant to, to flourish under, under communism. And that's what we've seen luxuries that we take for granted in in America in first world problems and all these things that we joke about these are things that are dreams pipe dreams for people in Cuba and these are we're hearing them from from secondhand but also from people that have actually lived it and you hear those stories again hashtag SOS Cuba uh, Cuba Libre to, to find out what else is going on because honestly we gotta you know we talk about and I hate it like we say like you know stay woke but honestly like in this case please do please do mm -hmm. but also, when you're done clutching your pearls and, and, your, and your rosaries, once you've prayed, then then what? Highlight other voices, right? Find people that that 
that have this going on because again the church has spoken out about this has spoken out against it the fact that jp2 as as uh manuel talked about met with castro and and tried to you know lessen the blow a little bit as as best he could mm -hmm. right um is huge and especially what he did in poland like there's so much that the church has done in a history mm -hmm. but it makes uh i'm i'm glad to hear I, at least in your last visit uh manuel that things were we're getting better from the Catholic perspective because you said you went to the Catholic mass. I didn't know if that was kind of like what's going on in China where there's like three Catholic churches where one is like the government sanctioned Catholic church and then like the, like the underground one. But I don't know. I mean, are priests free to talk in their homilies or they got to be careful, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they always got to be careful in Cuba. You yeah. can't talk against the government. Okay. All right. And besides, I mean, you know, priests are, are not really supposed to be political, correct? Right? But uh, uh, there's, yeah, there's, you know, you, you, okay. But anyway, so no, they can't talk against the, the, the Cuban government. But I attended mass in, 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 a late, in a little neighborhood parish chapel. There was, a, there was actually a parish and there was a priest and he, and he celebrated mass. And, the, and it was a little chapel. Actually, my grandfather helped build that chapel, and uh, and it was uh, and it was well attended. It was mostly ladies, by the way, but nevertheless, um, you know, uh, I don't know why the men stay away from the church, but that's another that's a th another topic for another conversation for sure. So, but anyway, but the point is that we were able to attend the mass that was it wasn't organized for our benefit. It was a mass that was already scheduled, and then we went and we attended. So that is uh, that. That's a good sign, you know. Mm -hmm. Right, and and yeah, and again, I thought that was surprising, but that I mean that that is a good sign, right? That is a good sign. Uh, and then Jill, like, why, from your perspective, like, is this fight one that you want to take up? Because it's so incompatible and inconceivable with with your own faith, right? With our own faith, why is it something that like, you know? You're still praying on this now. I mean, how has this impacted like your own faith? How has this impacted your own faith in your own prayer life? You know, because I'm sure you're you're drained. And so thank you for you know giving that yeah. little bit at seven in the morning. Thank you. But like um, um yeah. Yeah. On I mean, honestly, um uh, it's draining, but um and there are days that I've taken a break off social media because it's a lot to take in, you know, when it's like I found myself every day it's like any downtime i had i was like scroll scrolling through like the hashtag what's what's going on and and the horrific things that you see um and the emotion and, and combination with the emotional um investment that you have in it can be very taxing um and has been very taxing but um as hard as it is f for me um and um as emotionally tolling as that is, um, you know, for the people that have had 60 years of living through this, 62 years of living through this, um, is so much more, you know, um, and now more than ever, um, they, they need our voices, um, because, you know, they can't speak, they can't speak freely. The fact that, you know, they were protesting for, for days is, is huge. And so um, we, that's a time that we really have to step up as as um, as Cuban Americans, as Americans, as people, as humans, 
you know, um, to speak for them is is huge. Um, for people to be aware of what's happening there is is huge. And so um, it has been emptying. Um, but you know, that's been been a place of prayer that you go, that you ask the Lord to to sustain you. Um, and the amount of for you know <laughs> for all of the people that you get on social media that are speaking out of line and out of ignorance and maybe willfully ignorant. Um, you know, the amount of uh, personal messages that I've gotten on social media from from friends, from people that I haven't spoke to in a long time, you know, saying that they've been been praying for this situation for me, for my family, um, has really, I think, sustained me um, through this time. Um, yeah. And so with that, uh, any other final thoughts, guys? I mean, thanks, Joe. Uh, Manuel, any any other uh, final thoughts as we? Well, I kind of want to piggyback on that and and yeah. to say that my my impression sometimes, especially lately, is that you know Cuba and Haiti, right. um, sort of share a, a similar I think a, a, a similar perspective among the American people is that they they look at what's going on in these two countries that are so near them and they say, oh, isn't it awful what's happening down there? Oh, those poor people and so on. But in reality, it's like, look at what's happened in Haiti. Haiti is the poorest nation in, in the Western hemisphere. And, and and really nothing has been you know seriously done to change the situation there, right? Um, and I'm afraid that it's gonna be the same thing with Cuba. They're gonna say, oh, how awful. I hope those people you know wind up you know taking over their own country and blah, 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 and this and then so on. But I, you know, I, I'm afraid that we just, it, it, you know, maybe this will be a topic for like a follow-up session, Josh. Who knows? But uh, it's so, 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 what can be done in Cuba? You know, what are the steps that can be done to to, to improve the situation of the Cuban people? Uh, you know, you know, there there are some politicians that are saying that well, that we need military intervention uh, on the part of the United States. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I think it's actually a mixed, you know, it's, it's a mixed thing, right? But, you know, I, as, as I said, I don't think, I don't think we have, I don't think we have time to talk about all that. <laughs> it's true. It's a mixed bag. Eh? Do, we, yeah. do we have time to t solve the, the world's problems, Josh? Not well. I mean, I, I, not well, I want to be honest to the point where we, we could, but that's something that, uh, man, we could be here. You know, but yeah. it's it's a mixed bag because there's so much, you know, and we, we said it already, like, okay, if USA does get involved and provides a military presence, what does that mean? That's letting everybody know, all right, we're hitching mm -hmm. our wagon. All right, you're going to come for it. Then it's going to be like a gigantic, awful game of risk. And people don't just lose friends on risk. You know, you're going <laughs> to lose lives. And it's just yeah, sick bag. I right? think, I mean, I think there's... um there are things that can be done though which is um amplifying i think cuban voices and you know is is huge um uh, when you talk about you know people um getting educated or or things like that about the situation um and kind of after you know after praying for the situation right. that um you, you know you also have to look at it with a lens of for you know a very long time you know the government has controlled what has come out of cuba they know who's coming onto the island. They know what, you know, they're reporting. They know, you know, whether they are um, 
sympathizers or not. And so you have to look at everything that's put out about Cuba. You have to look at with the lens of that. Of Fidel was never going to let anything come out about Cuba that would look bad and badly reflect on him, you know, or or the country, you know. And so you have to look at it with that lens. And so I think a, a big way that you can do that is to find the Cubans that are in, you know, and we're everywhere, <laughs> you know. Uh, we're not just in Miami. We're not just, you know, in New York. Um, you know, you have to talk to Cubans with skin in the game, which is why I really appreciate. Right. And, you know, yeah. I was absolutely going to say yes to, to the invitation to come on here um, because awesome. we as Cubans also need to, to share this. Right. And I think one of the frustrations of what kind of to echo of what Manuel was saying is like, you know, we don't want this to just be, you know, great. I hope these people figure it out. And my fear, even though I think that the embargo has failed, um, my fear is that it's like, if that's what we're fighting for, right, for the embargo to end, then it's like, cool, we did our thing. Now we can move on to the next thing. And there's so much more work to do beyond that because the problem is much bigger than the embargo. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yes, where do we, you know, like let's, what are those other things, you know, that we're, that we're looking for, that we're willing to, to fight for? Um, and how can we make this a, a longer um, sustainable cause, you know, um, and not just say, cool, we did this, we fought for, you know, because right. sometimes we do that. <laughs> Right. You no, know, we, we fight for frivolous things to change and then nothing actually changes. Right. It's like putting um, a Band-Aid on a, on a huge gaping wound, you know? Yeah. You're the worst. Um, I, I think speaking of Band-Aids and wounds, I think probably the most immediate thing that has to be done is to put needles into Cuban arms right now, you know, and to do it in a way that, um, that, is, that is verifiable. Uh, you know, Biden actually suggested, you know, uh, getting a third party, a third, you know, a, 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 like a peacekeeping force or something that will oversee the vaccination of Cubans so that so that these these vaccinations don't basically go into the black market, which is probably what would happen, you know. Um, and I think that I think that's I think that's that's the first thing that has to happen. I think we have to save lives, you know. I would, I would say that that's yeah. the most immediate thing to like solve like what broke the camel's back for, for that second right is address this immediate issue like what's first okay people are dying right. let's let's get them covid vaccinated and let's do it under, under a third party if we have to because right we can't trust it we can't trust that those vaccines are going to get to the people right right uh, that are going to get to the people that have been out there protesting let's i mean we I have that factor as well that i, I mean that's something that the government does right like Oh, yeah. You speak out against the government, you're punished. Now you don't get a vaccine. Oh, yeah. you know, and your family know, doesn't. And they know who you are, you know, because like on every block, there is an informant, you know. There are there are there are eyes and ears everywhere. That's another way of controlling the population. It's not just the control of the information, but it's actually you know, so the people, you know, it's like Big Brother, you know, they're watched all the time. So you have to be careful of what you say. So if you were out there protesting, that's right. You're probably going to be the last person to to get those vaccines when if they if they do. Yeah, if they if they do let you, right. and if you know if Q, if the Cuban government takes the vaccines as well, because that's yeah. I mean misconceptions right. going out about right. it. You know, the Cuban government said we don't want to take the vac we don't want the vaccines. We want to develop our own vaccines, and that's also part of why it's not that America didn't want to give them or sell them vaccines. Um, so, 
Well, you know, I, I just, I don't know if, how much time we have left, but I just wanted to go back uh, briefly to the, the issue about, uh, Jill, you were talking about how Cuba is touted by the rest of the communist world as being like the paragon of, um, of you know, uh, of, of socialized medicine, right? Um, uh, you know, I talked to enough people when I was there to understand that, yes, that, you know, that, that you can have, you know, an operation and it won't cost you anything. The problem is that you're gonna to have to wait for it because they don't have the thread to sew you up with after you're operated on, you know? They don't have the materials. Yeah, I mean, you go to the hospital there, you have to take your sheets, you have to take your pillow, Like you're lucky if you get a mattress when you go to the hospital. Right. Um, you yeah. know, there, Cubans living in Cuba are calling their families in America, sending them Advil, Tylenol, like, I mean, yeah. yeah you, and that's like, that's very different than the government hospitals, right? Like you have the hospitals for the common people, and mm -hmm. then you have the hospitals for the people that work for the dictatorship. And those are two very different things as well. And we right. talked about, you know, you see information come out about Cuba, mm -hmm. you know, sends out doctors. Yeah, they send out doctors to all these countries for missionary work, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. I mean, they're sent out, the money that they get paid goes paid to the Cuban government if they decide not to. Mm -hmm. then the Cuban government revokes their qualifications, right? Their certifications right. as doctors. So, right. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of complexities here that, I mean, it's hard for us to, to wrap our head around. Here's my uh, question for the both of you. Is there still like, uh, like a wall that like gets out, like in terms of internet, like, are they like really screwed in terms of getting information out? Cause we do see the videos that pop up on social media, but how does that get, get out joe i know you you had mentioned it that, yeah. that didn't, like the internet out there what what's going on there in that way yeah so one of the big things that we've been asking for is for the u.s to get um internet access to the people because mm -hmm. right the government's been cutting internet right at seven o'clock at night when the sun goes down the government cuts off all power to the island anyways right, right? like the people it goes dark you know <laughs> uh, but they've been cutting internet. And so a big thing that we've been advocating for, right, is we have the technology to put satellites up or, you know, um, to get mm -hmm. the people um, internet, which means that the government can't control that, which means that we can actually find out what's happening on the island, right? Yeah. A lot of the videos that we've seen mm -hmm. are either people using a VPN that has been charged up, you know, on their phone by relatives. And there's been some um, organizations that have been doing that, that have been taking donations to do that for people, mm -hmm. or um, that was leaked before all the blackouts. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it is, you know, I think a lot of what we can start doing in a big first step is being able to um, make that available so that people can speak for themselves, right? Like, um, and it's not just, it can't be used as a political gain of, you know, like, you know, all these people saying that, you know, it's government, but it's not, it's America, it's all these things. Like, let's just actually hear what's coming from the people and amplify right. those voices, um, you know. Yeah. Andrea Mitchell just interviewed uh, the, the Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs um, for the United States. And, uh, and he said basically that everything, everything the Americans are saying is an absolute lie, that none of it is true, you know? So it's like, okay, so then people that don't know, right, that have no, they're not Cuban American, they don't have any connection to, you know, to people that are there or anything like that, have not been there, have not seen anything. So they're, you know, the rest of the people, they're looking and they say, well, who do we believe? 
you know? Do we believe what our government is saying or, we, or do we believe, because they tell you with absolute sincerity that none of these things, that no one is getting killed, no one is getting arrested, no one is disappearing, that this is all American propaganda. Yeah, I mean, they've said that one person has died. How many videos have come out of people being yeah, killed? You know, like, I mean, if that doesn't tell you anything, I'm not really sure. And taking the boys, right, yeah. and putting them into yeah. the military. And stuff. Yeah, I mean, in Cuba, you have to do forced military service. Yeah, sure. you know? um, Absolutely. But... All right, guys, and and we can keep and we could go and we can go. Yes, we can. Yay! And second breakfast with Joe, we could have. We can keep going. We can get up, you know, la ropa vieja. We can start eating. We could do a lot of things. But My favorite. We, we cannot. We cannot. But <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. But maybe that's another time in a lighter time. But I got to get to mass. But and, and pray for you, <laughs> guys. Thank you again uh, sure. for the time. Um, but real quick, quick hitters something for the people, something that uh, they can come away with or action items that they can do. If there are any uh, academic resources or anything they can read or uh, or watch safely, uh, what do you guys got? Something quick or just like a thank you for having me, goodbye. Like, what do you guys got, Jill? Jill? Um, there's some great social media platforms out there right now. Um, yeah. I think one of the frustrations, I mean, it's good because, you know, Spanish is the language of our people, but um, there's not a lot of things um, that are coming out in English. No. So it's really hard for, for people yeah. who don't speak Spanish. Right. Um, so Cuba Amp is a great, um, they're translating videos that are being put out so that um, into English, from Spanish to English, which is great. Um, there's a guy on social media called Hidalgo Rob. Um, and you can look, he does a lot of fact-based things. He's a really um, smart guy. Uh, I think he might be a, a professor of sorts as well, but he does a lot of fact-based um, of what is happening in Cuba. He doesn't put out, you know, he likes to say, I don't put out opinion videos. I just try to stick to the facts, which has been really, really educational, even for the likes of me. Mm. Um, and just, you know, SOS Cuba, you know, um, America Valdez has been great. She's been putting out some great stuff. A young Cuban voice, um, especially, you know, there's like, um, Manuel is saying a lot of Cubans um, are people of color, um, black, you know, people of color. And so that's really, really important as well that we look at because sometimes they're the most marginalized people on the island. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, but all in all, I really appreciate the, the time to be able to, um, to share and to speak on it and to hopefully, um, mm -hmm. yeah, be a little bit of an inspiration for people to go out there and, and to share as well. And to, yeah. Definitely. Thank you, Joe. Manuel, how about you? Well, I mean, I would say, you know, uh, you, 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 you might want to, uh, to check out what uh, non-American news sources are saying about this. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the Europeans saying about all this stuff? What's their perspective, right? Uh, I think it's good to get some independent, uh, independent perspective on it. Um, you know, not just, uh, yeah, so not, not just, you know, American-based perspective. There it is. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been rocking with the best though. Holy Ruckus Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us, whether you are listening to us or watching us on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks so much for being with us. Go ahead, share, comment, like, let us know. If you have any questions uh, for our folks, I mean, the podcast is over, but you can definitely uh, let us know in the comments and I will relay these back to them. This won't be the last time that we'll have them because I think 
this is going to be something that we're going to touch on again because uh, it matters to us as society, matters to us as Americans, but also uh, as a multi-layered uh, Catholic uh, church. So thanks so much for rocking with us. My guest, thank you so much for your time. God bless you, and we will see you all uh, at another time. Thanks so much, and please pray uh, for Cuba and the rest of the world. Uh, my guest, stay wow. tuned real quick, stay on, uh, but for everybody else, Thanks so much for watching. Like and subscribe at the Holy Ruckus. Thanks so much.